six. Stage first shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakeland, Charles 478 Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Ceballero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, this is it, and here we go with another episode of Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Ceballero. This is the only podcast that takes you inside EMS. And with me always is my friend. That's right. Is my friend, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how you doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, What's going on down there in Louisiana, man? How are things? I'm I'm saving lives and stamping out disease and pestilence today. Uh, it's been one of those days where relocating I, uh, the sick and injured. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Moving moving the sick and injured from point A to point B and helping little old ladies who have fallen and can't get up. You are the man. Without Certainly me, the man. they would be on the floor for another old oh, ten fifteen minutes. So, you know, speaking about 10 or 15 minutes as we think about segment times, you know. Oh, last, that was a lovely segue, man. Did you like that? I, I didn't know yeah. where to go with it, man. So, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking about my grandmother and uh, you certainly are bringing back memories I don't want to have. But, you know, last week, you know, we had a good show. We had a lot mm-hmm. of great uh, feedback from the show. But I think one of the highlights, Kelly, and we kind of touched on it, was that we're starting to see people emerge from our career field that are becoming authors, that are becoming mm-hmm. national speakers, that are becoming, even outside of EMS, we're now starting to see people that are really bringing some fame, really bringing some much-needed attention to the EMS career field. And we really had the opportunity to chat with Mike last week, and I think that was really awesome. Yeah, one of my favorite things uh, is, or one of my favorite things uh, about our podcast and getting a chance to talk with some of the EMS authors out there, you know, my... I wrote my book having having read one EMS book uh, that that really had an influence on me, and that was Peter Canning's book, uh, Paramedic. But uh, it was because um, he it was not one of those look at me, I'm a hero, look look at the uh, life saving paramedic uh, thumping on the chest kind of book. And that brings us to uh, another book in that vein that uh, tells the truth about EMS and does it with wit and humor. So today on the podcast, we've got Kevin Hazard, author of A Thousand Naked Strangers. Kevin, welcome to the show, brother. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Appreciate it. You know, Kevin, i got to tell you, I mean, I've read the book. I I contributed to your retirement. I I think it was really excellent. You know, one of the things, you know, there's a a subheading that calls a paramedic's wild ride to the edge and back. Before we talk about the book, and I was very entertained by it, why don't you give a little folks a little bit about about your background, who you are, about your experience, and then we'll... uh, Bust into some good information about this book. Sure, yeah. Um, well, I was a reporter before I got into EMS, and uh, you know, it was. I thought it was exactly what I wanted to do uh, coming out of college, and found myself sitting there staring down uh, city council meetings and agenda budgets, and you know, I was just ready to blow my brains out. And it wouldn't uh, be. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was turned out. It was horrible. Um, you know, what I really didn't like about it most was that it was low pay and long hours. So that's why I got into EMS. <laughs> that's right. You are, you are banking the dead presidents now, my friend. Oh, yeah, man. And the chicks. Oh, yeah. God, the chicks. Yeah, tons, tons. And, uh, but, you know, I was, one of those, um, I was one of those 9-11 babies. You know, after that came along, I think a lot of people sort of were looking around saying, is there something that I could do? And for me uh, – you know, I kind of stumbled on EMS totally by accident, covered a, a story about a tunnel collapse, spent some time with those firefighters. And when it was all over with, I thought, 
here, here it is. This is something I've been looking for, you know, looking for. So that's kind of how we got into it. Once I was in, did some time in the private non-emergency sector, which was eye-opening. Um, got into rural metro, which a lot of people have a, some really mixed reviews on. But in South Fulton County, they were pretty good. I enjoyed working there. And then after that, I went to Grady and spent the rest of my career at Grady Hospital in Atlanta, which was uh, a wonderful experience. So, so Kevin, tell me what what part of your career or what stage of your career were you at when you got this epiphany? Hey, I, I need to share these stories with people and and write a book. People, because I had been a reporter, people are sort of pestering mm-hmm. me to write them down in some way. You know, if yeah. you remember, like oh six, oh seven, oh eight, blogs were kind of becoming big, and mm-hmm. people just kept talking about them. And when I got home, that was the last thing I wanted to do. You know, you, you hear people who go home and they watch an EMS show, and you think, dude. You just spent 12 hours on that ambulance. Do you really want to sit down and watch somebody else's version of it? So I was resistant. Finally, I just said, you know what? I'll do it. I'll write one. Screw it. And the reaction I got from people who were not in the field was really good. And it brought me back to a conversation I had early on where somebody said, uh, you know, I wish somebody would just tell the story because it's like I wish the Coen brothers would tell the story because it's really funny and no one's ever made it funny. And so that was, you know, I started writing a blog and it, it seemed to scratch that itch that people had. And then it, it wasn't until I was out, though, that it occurred to me to write the book. I was gone for about a year and a half by the time I sat down. And I think that's maybe some of the, the, the healing, too, that goes into that. You know, because one of the questions I always ask, and I'm not going to bore you with it right now, is, is how much therapy was this for you, uh, as you as you've gone through this process? But here's the question I want to focus on now. You know, when you read the book... You really, I'm able as a paramedic to say, that's exactly what that smells like, or I know exactly what he's talking about. But I think one of the, one of the great things about the way that you constructed it was the people who don't know about the career field are going to be able to feel the fear. They're going to be able to feel the passion. They're going to be able to feel that life and death because you, you mastered that very, very well. So I guess when you, I, I guess the question is, who's going to play you in the movie? That's that's what I want. Who is that? No, that's not the question. But uh, Kelly Grayson has volunteered to do that, by the way. But uh, yeah. you know, so my question to you is that as you sat down to write this, did it give you that flush of emotion that you had at the time, or was it finally the antidote that you were able now to, uh, you know, to share with everybody? You know, it, it was a little bit of both. There were a lot of things that I didn't really get into with my wife while I was doing it, just because you know you. You tell people the funny stories, but they don't want to know everything. Um, so there was some – some of it was great to be able to reveal some things that it was – now that it was done. But one of the ways that I brought back those memories was I listened to music that I listened to a lot in various stages of my career and would just go for a bike ride or a walk or something and just try to imagine – remember what it was that I was feeling when I was in school, how scared I was or or how I felt when I was – you know, first, you know, that when I hit that level that we all hit when you're three years in and you're like, damn right, I got this thing on the, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in now and I can, I can do no wrong. And, and it was good to, you know, to bring back that rush of emotion. But I guess everybody has skills. My one skill is, you know, being able to, to tell you the four or five cents you're going to get in a downstairs bedroom for a 32 year old whose life's gone nowhere. You know, so, you know, I kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, and we were kind of talking about how, you know, we try as hard as we can. And the Grady system's a high performance EMS mm-hmm. system. A lot of us have the opportunity to kind of feel the pressure of running 300 calls a day. 
And we take some of that home with us. We try to deal with it as best we can. You know, I, I didn't share those stories with my wife. My, as far as my wife knew, I was a fisherman. She probably didn't even know I was a paramedic. But, you know, so as you now start to write this book, did you find it to be some type of therapy, some type of closure? Because, you know, we hang on to some of those emotions sometimes. And when you sit back and you're writing, you know, those experiences down, you kind of sit back and say, oh, my gosh, I did see that. I mean, is there a little decompression there? Yeah, there is. You know, I think we all probably, regardless of what kind of system you work in, you, you're not going to be well regarded if you come back at the end of every shift and be like, damn right, I just did that. Let me show you guys what I did. Every other medic would run you out of the building. You know, yeah. you, you can make fun of people and God, you can be brutal and you can say, you know, the most horrible things to everyone. And that's just part of how it goes. That's the, our sense of humor. But to talk about yourself in any positive way is really frowned on in, in all the places that I work. Nobody wanted to hear that sort of nonsense. We all know how tough the job is. We all know that we wouldn't be here if we couldn't get it done. So some of it was great to just sit down and really think about it and think about, damn, I, you know, I, I did put my hand in someone's brain and you know, I poked my finger through a gunshot hole totally by accident. You, know, you, kind of, you forget about those moments, so it's nice to just deal with them. But at the same time, <laughs> I don't think I ever really sat down and thought about, like, what, is this, what did this career mean to me? What did running all these calls mean to me? What did um, having these experiences, like, how has that changed me? Because you're, when you're in the moment, that's, that's just not the way you're viewing it. It's just it's your job. You go to work. You punch in. You punch mm-hmm. out. You hope you don't get hurt. You try to stay out of the supervisor's way, and you make sure you don't run out of gas. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's 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 been pretty much my uh, my career motto uh, for all my time at EMS. Uh, don't run out of diesel. Work a night shift because there are less supervisors uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> that sort of thing. So, Kevin, how much of the uh, or how well did did writing the book, the act of writing it, and reliving all those stories and getting in touch with with all those those feelings you had when they actually occurred? How much of that was a uh, was a battery recharge for uh, and reminder of uh, of of what you really got out of EMS? It was quite a bit. You know, when I first got out, I felt like I had it was time for me to go. Everybody has a yeah. different, and I was at that point, you know, where I was kind of bitter. And if mm-hmm. you're one of those people who that's going to eventually build up on, you know, it's probably better to to walk away or find something else because no one wants to be that that guy, you know, just that angry dude who's just sitting around giggling when his patients die, but we all know them. Um, so when I left, I was, I was glad to be gone. I would hear a siren and think, man, I am glad that is not me and that damn thing. And then sitting down and writing this, you remember how hard you worked to do, to be good. You know, how, how like mm-hmm. I took it really personally when I, if I made a mistake, I mean, patients die. Hey, it wasn't my fault necessarily that I saved somebody. It's certainly not my fault that you died unless I made a mistake. And those things I took personally, took pride in knowing what I was doing. You forget that to a degree. You, you forget how much fun you had with your partners and how tight you were with these guys. And, you know, the totally inappropriate things that people would do to each other that in any other world, you know, Pey- look what's happening to Peyton Manning right now. I mean, a guy's yeah. being ranked over the coals. If somebody brought a camera into an ambulance unit and looked at, you know, what we say to one another, whether it's, Men, women, black, white, Hispanic. I mean, like you would be mortified. You, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the, the mayor would, would come down on every service <laughs> in the country. So, you know, you forget those things. And it was great to go back and, and remember it all and realize, like, damn, I had, you know, I did have a, a good time. It was 10 good years. 
That's awesome. So let me go ahead. And, and, and I think one of the things that Kelly and I really pride ourselves on as hosts, uh, co-hosts, however you want to say it, is I think we kind of help prepare people for that next level. So, Kevin, I am so uh, excited about the book, and I think that I think it's going to become a movie. I, I am, I am going to start that fan club for you that we <laughs> turn this into a movie. So now let's go ahead and do a little role-playing. I'll be Matt want, Lauer. I want a spot as a, a technical advisor. And Kelly is going to be Katie Couric. Okay, so yes. Matt Lauer, Katie Couric. Yeah, so he's got legs for it. He does. He does. He does. You, you hear about our five hundred dollar bet? We'll, we'll talk about that. Talk about a thousand <laughs> naked strangers later. But um, so, really, I guess my question is, what do you want people to get from this? I mean, because this isn't the the ordinary, uh, you know, paramedic story. This is really the, um, you know, the the nuts and bolts of what we do. So the the, the lay person that's out there reading it and everybody who's out there listening to us that are in the career field, if you want people to know what you do, a thousand naked strangers is something you want to give them. Uh, that probably didn't sound that well. But uh, <laughs> so the people that are going to read it, what, what do you want to get out of it? What do you want them to get out of it uh, when it comes to your your message? I was surprised by how little people understood the career field. And I know that, you know, 1969, you know, the first group of medics really hit the street. So we're new and, you know, because it's medicine, it's it's not as sexy as firefighting. And so we, you know, we're that, that uh, faceless uh, group that they always refer to as fire, police, and other emergency personnel when something has gone wrong. You know, the, uh, the only time you see us really in popular culture is after Bruce Willis has loaded his partner into the back of the ambulance and they give that dreaded double tap on the door. And Bruce laps. Too dumb to know when to drive away. Um, and that's how we've been portrayed. And it, it just occurred to me listening to people talk and then having done the job for so long, I wanted people to know what was going on. This is happening right under their noses. And I don't, I don't, I never wanted someone to refer to me as a hero. I, I that, think that's a bad description of it. I never wanted a handshake or, or pat on the back or free cup of coffee at McDonald's. But I still wanted people to know what was happening right on their street all the time. And, and some of them are, are their neighbors that are out there doing it. You know, like really good things are happening. And people are working really hard at a job that is the first one to get overlooked by, you know, of all people, by the ones that are paying the bills. Uh, in City Hall, and and I, I just felt that more than anything else, I wanted people to know what this job was and have an appreciation for what it is that, that everybody out there is doing. You know, one of one of the probably the highest compliment I, I get from other EMTs uh, whenever I write uh, on my blog or or uh, people who've read my book said, you know, you you've been in my truck or or you tell our story uh, and. And thanks for sharing it. What it's really like. That's the sense I get from uh, a thousand naked strangers. Uh, I'm only about halfway in, uh, uh, working at it every day on my Kindle when we're posting. But uh, I'm liking it, man. It, it tells our story so well. It'll, uh, it'll be a lot for, easier when he, when the picture book comes out, Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll be able to get the, through it faster. That's the fire chief's version, the pop up book. <laughs> what is it, Kevin? They do have coloring books for adults now. Oh, is that what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're gonna, you're going to come up with a fire chief version that's a, a pop-up book? <laughs> yep. Scratch and sniff, I think. Hey, let me ask you a question. Before we before we get to the last question, which is uh, how we can contribute to your retirement and where we can buy this great uh, reference, this great book, you, you, know, you said something that I want to get your opinion on because Kelly and I kind of talk about this on the show. As you said – um, you know, you never, you never needed the pat on the back. You never needed the handshake. Don't consider your, you don't consider yourself to be a hero. 
And I think I've always had the contention of the reasons we don't have this feeling is because people don't give us the appreciation and the recognition that we need to do our jobs. I got to tell you right now, as an EMS leader, I'm going to say that everybody who does this job, regardless if you're on a transfer truck, regardless if you're a first responder, you do define as a hero. And I'm calling you a hero. It's something that we're not comfortable with, but are we not comfortable with it, Kevin? And Kelly, I want to know your opinion as well, because we don't get those accolades. If we got those accolades, we'd be more used to getting them and we'd appreciate them more. Yeah, you know, I, I guess there's probably some truth to that statement. Um, I think for me, it comes down to the fact that, you know, I, I signed on to do what I was doing. You know, I knew what I was getting myself into. And so, you know, there's those, there are those quiet moments where you get some old lady who, let's face it, is calling only because she's lonely. When you sit down and you hold her hand and you just talk to her, to me, that's as, that has a big emotional impact as saving the seven-year-old who's choking on French fries. Absolutely. But does sitting there next to that old woman make you a hero? Does it just make you a, a good person? I don't know. And I, you know, but I think that, uh, you know, I think that's a discussion that we probably need to have as a community is how do we view ourselves? And Yeah, I think you're right. I'm still, I don't, I don't know that I'll hear it said to me often enough that I'll be comfortable with being called a hero. You're my hero, um, Kelly Grayson. Yeah, well, you know, but you have low standards. Uh, there you go. That answers that question. <laughs> I don't know that I'll ever be uh, comfortable uh, with the with the term. Um, I, I certainly am not comfortable with it from from uh, patients and and family uh, when they really you know when they uh, when they call you a hero for just simply doing your job. Uh, but I'm even less so comfortable with with. Um, fellow EMT saying, you know, I, I love your, I love your blog. I love your book. I love what you write. You're my hero. I was like, I'm just a dude that has a platform. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> I'm as full of crap as the next person. Uh, but I think we have to come to a realization of what we do. I mean, you go in there and you hold an old woman's hand and we've all done it and we've all spent longer than we should on scene to try to comfort someone. Mm -hmm. But who's to say that woman isn't going to shoot you? Who's to say their, their son isn't going to come in and mm -hmm. start blasting? And, and you know, So just walking into somebody's house where you don't know where the outcome is going to be, in my opinion, I think defines. But let's go ahead and push that aside. Kevin, so for the people that are out there, and, and I'm going ahead and give my support. I read the book. I was, I was uh, entertained by it. And for you folks that are out there, uh, if you can, go ahead and put your hands on it. Kevin, how do they find it? Well, you can get it at Barnes & Noble. You can get it at Amazon, any bookseller. I do have a website, kevinhazard.com. It's got some stuff that didn't make the book. It's got some photos. Uh, hopefully no HIPAA violations, but... <laughs> we'll worry about that in the lawsuits. Yeah, hey, any press is good press. But uh, yeah, kevinhazard.com, and uh, you can track it down there. Awesome. Well, promise you'll come back and uh, be a guest on Inside EMS, and we've enjoyed having you. Yeah, thank you guys. Appreciate it. And one real quick thing. Um, Kelly, I appreciate you saying that. You know, you mentioned that it, it made you feel like you were in the ambulance. And, and I didn't mm -hmm. set out to write a book for EMS providers, but I wanted people to read it and say, this is how we tell our story to each other. And so for to hear someone who's been in the field say that they got that feeling out of it is a big compliment. I appreciate that. Well, my pleasure. And I, I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks at, uh, at the Metro Atlanta conference. You know it. All right, Kevin. Well, thanks for joining us. All right, guys. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, you know, I got to tell you, I mean, it is a great book. And for the people who are out there, uh, go ahead and check it out. And it's going to be a really entertaining story, as I mentioned. But, Kelly, let's go ahead and do some news. There, there are a couple of big things that are happening in EMS. What do you got for us? 
Well, uh, out of D.C., uh, or out of uh, our nation's capital, D.C. Fire and EMS is, is going to start using uh, private ambulance services. Um, and, and there's a news blurb just recently that AMR got a contract to, uh, to run calls in D.C. Um, so within the next 30 days, according to WTOP.com, um, AMR is going to start running calls in the district to uh, supplement the, the current uh, D.C. fire EMS coverage. Uh, and hopefully with um, AMR uh, picking up the, the slack, they'll be able to uh, uh, get some response times that are not measured with a calendar. Um, <laughs> but I, I still think this is a, uh, a Band-Aid solution to an arterial hemorrhage. Uh, and it's, it's going to have a... Uh, limited effect for a short t- amount of time, but it's not going to address the the rot that's at the core of uh, DC Fire EMS. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't see the story, so I can't uh, really speak to it. I mean, it'd be interesting to see how they're going to use this. Uh, you know, how they're going to use this resource, and are they going to respond primarily? Or are they going to be a transport unit only? Uh, and I think that the the challenge is how how is that going to work? And um, I, I don't really know. I don't really know where to go with it, but it'll be interesting to follow the story for the next few weeks to see how it works out. Yeah, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. And and uh, you know, if they were if they were wise, which uh, using wise and DC fire EMS in the same, uh, you're just so you're incorrigible. You're just incorrigible. Uh, if they were wise, they they would use uh, they would use a combination of. of uh, Deferred transport to the private agency and to to uh, use them in nine one one rollovers when when they don't have a closest uh, a closer ambulance. Uh, hopefully they'll they'll be able to track the uh, location of the AMR units and be able to integrate them into their their dispatch program and 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 send the the closest unit whether it uh, happens to be AMR or DC Fire EMS. I think that's the only way it would work effectively. Uh, rather than just, oh, let us get to status zero when we have no available units, and then we'll call the AMR unit from wherever it happens to be. Um, yeah, be interested to know how it's going to follow, you know, how it's going to work out. Certainly you and I will keep an eye on it because it's uh, been a hot topic of conversation for us so far. But let's go ahead and give you my new story. And there was a big acquisition in EMS, yeah. and it looks like Stryker is going to buy physio control for the mere – Amount of one point two eight billion dollars. Yeah, and uh, Doctor Evil asked, "You like that? Yeah, did you like billion dollars?" But it was very interesting to see that. I mean, you know, you know, Stryker uh, has really been the cot the cot of choice for a long time, and uh, once they came out with those rigid cots, it was very, very uh, quickly that a lot of people started to move towards the Stryker brand, and now they're buying uh, one of the biggest. Uh, cardiac monitor and physio control does a lot more than just cardiac monitors Uh, what do you think about this acquisition kelly is it going to help ems Uh, it seems like a weird combination yeah uh i I was actually surprised Uh, i i I knew that striker was a big name in the in the industry but uh i didn't know they they had the wherewithal to uh, acquire physio control for the price tag they did you know i remember when when ferno was the leader in, in stretchers uh, and and patient transport equipment and Stryker was the upstart, uh, and in a matter of just a, a little over you know more than a decade, they have totally supplanted uh, them and and are looking to broaden their reach now. Um, you know, it's uh, 
Well, we're seeing AMR and, and rural metro uh, merging. In some ways, you know, Jack Stout uh, predicted this years ago with with the ambulance services merging, and that, that we most of EMS would be run by two or three large conglomerates. Uh, still hasn't come to pass, although the AMR and rural metro uh, acquisition uh, has is moving toward that direction. A lot of these these uh, these device manufacturers and these these supply vendors are owned by by large holding companies. Uh, and uh, I guess this makes sense for them uh, as far as, as fiscally uh, to, uh, to merge. I don't pretend to know the, uh, the uh, motivation, but uh, hopefully this works out for them and, and each company will wind up stronger after the merger. Yeah, we'll certainly see what kind of uh, corporation that they're going to be. And, you know, one of the things, anytime you think about an acquisition, you kind of think about how, or the, how is it going to impact and I've tried to sit down and think about how Stryker and Physio Control are going to uh, maximize the companies. Yeah. You know, when you talk about Rometro and AMR, I don't find that to be, you know, when you talk about just, you know, a couple companies running the whole, the whole uh, kit and caboodle, I, I don't know if that's true anymore. And I really think no. that the acquisition of AMR and Rometro had to deal with um, alternative trans. Uh, um, alternative treatment with community paramedicine. I think that that's going to be their big focus between the two uh, organizations, and they're really going to put a push on for mm-hmm. taking over community paramedicine uh, nationwide. And everybody that's out there that's thinking about having a community paramedicine program, keep your eyes on that because that's something that they don't need to you know, get your permission in your service area to come into the hospital and start to deliver those services. And uh, but when you think about physio control and you think about striker merging, um, you know where where is the upside for the customer? But again, this is one of those stories that I think we keep an eye on, Kelly, and uh, we see how it plays out in the coming months. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, got one other story, and and I think we need to uh, to uh, offer uh, condolences uh, and prayers to the family and friends uh, of uh, Brian Shepler. Uh, Brian was a former Grady paramedic. Uh, it was a, a very touching eulogy written by Kevin Hazard, our, our guest this week, uh, on EMS1.com. You guys catch that and, and read about it. Um, but Brian was working as a paramedic for West Jefferson Ambulance Service, uh, West Jefferson EMS in uh, Louisiana, and um, was, was helping a mechanic work on a rig, uh, pitching in, and the hoist on the ambulance, or the hoist uh, lifting the ambulance near collapsed and dropped the uh, dropped the ambulance on him, uh, killing Brian and uh, injuring his partner. Um, and I know that uh, certainly in the the uh, community of Grady paramedics that knew Brian, and, and most certainly uh, um, EMS in, in Southeast Louisiana uh, are mourning his loss, and uh, we offer our our prayers and support. Uh, he will he will be sorely missed. I'm with you 100%. And, uh, you know, just a horrible line of duty death. And our prayers go out to the family. Well, that looks uh, looks like we've got a show, man. We, it's time Always to a show. Time. Always a yeah. show. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. As always, we'd like to hear your comments, concerns, and suggestions. So email us at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself, co-host Chris Sevalero. And our guest this week, Kevin Hazard, and his book, A Thousand Naked Strangers. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch y'all next week.